Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Strong for Everyday podcast with me, Fumi Olatoye. In today's episode, I'm talking with Lisa Bat. She's a nutritionist with a huge amount of experience in women's health. She's also an expert on the Strong for Everyday platform. So I'm really excited to be bringing you our conversation, which was kind of long, but really informative. Talking about all things preconception, pregnancy and post-birth, and how you can support yourself nutritionally through all of those phases, as well as menopause. Because each of those stages brings a huge amount of hormonal change and hormones can really have a huge impact on how you choose the foods that you eat. Lisa gives really practical tips and how you can make the right food choices even when you are sleep deprived, even when you're not feeling like you want to make those smart choices. She talks about the reasons why it's important to get the right balance of micro and macronutrients. And um, as you can probably tell from the conversation, this is the kind of stuff that excites me. I love, love, love talking about nutrition and all things about women's health and how women can really feel empowered with the right knowledge and information to make smart choices for themselves and their bodies. So without any further ado, here is today's episode with Lisa Pat. Welcome to the Strong for Everyday podcast, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Lisa is a nutritionist and you have a interest as well in women's health. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think probably fundamentally as a woman, you sort of do, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but you're sort of drawn down that route. So yeah, definitely. And then what, I mean, apart from being a woman, what led you to become <laughs> interested in women's yeah, health? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I suppose I sort of started my uh, career out, um, well actually it goes back to university, I did a degree in biochemistry but my final year project was a, a sort of specialism in reproductive health or reproductive physiology, so I sort of got involved in um, hormones at that sort of stage, obviously having, you know, from a scientific point of view, um, and then I sort of, I was then offered a, a job working at King's College Hospital in their obstetrics and gynaecology department in the research area. Um, so I sort of, my department sat between things like ovarian cancer um, and fertility um, and an IVF unit. So there was quite a lot going on. So, so I spent about five years doing research and lots of different projects in that sort of area. So it's built on that. And then I made the decision to do something completely different in my life. So I, I found, um, well, it was quite interesting. Women's health is, was at that point and still is to a degree, although I think it's getting better, very undervalued and very underfunded. And it was getting very challenging um, to kind of really be able to deliver. We were, we were discovering things and not able to do much with them. So um, I actually made the decision that I didn't necessarily want to go further from a science point of view. So I went and worked in a corporate world for 25 years, um, complete career change, but actually still heavily involved from, from a hormone point of view, because I managed t- large teams of women um, and kind of, you know, got an understanding from the other side, really, of, of you know, what that's like. So from everything from, you know, PMS, pregnancy, menopause, everything of what that's like in a, in a corporate world, in the wor- world of work. Um, and then I made the decision uh, three years ago, I've been through three or four rounds of redundancy and made the decision after 25 years to take it and um, retrain. And I've, I'm always, always, always had a passion for exercise in particular. I trained as an aerobics instructor back in the day, you know, in the early 90s and, you know, when YMCA was all the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the organisation, not the song. <laughs> 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 and, uh, that was way before that. But um and then I, I um, kind of have come innate with that, I think, comes a, an interest in nutrition, because if you're going to exercise as much as I did, uh, I wanted to understand what that was doing to me physically and, and what I could do to fuel that better, I suppose. Um, but also, I think wanting to understand, I use this term and it sounds a bit glib, but food as medicine. So what is it about what I'm eating that I can use to help me be a better individual or, you know, optimize my health. So I, uh, I did a, a nutrition qualification while I was working, still working. I did several actually. And then I left and I have uh, started out, I'm about 18 months in now to a uh, master's degree in nutritional therapy. 
Um, and nutritional therapy is slightly different from nutrition in the sense that it's, it, this is very, very personalized. So it's about you as an individual. So the focus is taken away from generic guidelines to uh, uh, individuals. So there's a sort of difference there. And that everything that I look at um, on this course is evidence-based. So we're looking at um, what's been scientifically proved as opposed to um, you know, what's kind of out there in the media, et cetera. Um, and, and I guess, you know, those were the key things for me, but also the most recent thing for me is menopause. So, you know, I, I kind of have been through the journey. I haven't, I'm not a mum, so I haven't been through pregnancy, albeit I've been a birthing partner. So I've been there right at the <laughs> end of the process. Um, and I have a wonderful niece who's um, now 19, who's an IVF baby. So I've, you know, and my best friend had IVF, had three rounds of IVF and then uh, had to adopt. Um, so I've been through sort of lots of different journeys, but um, for me, you know, menopause is, you know, it's not, people call it the end of the journey. It's not the end. It's the, it's the third age. I absolutely firmly believe that. But, you know, that's the latest thing I think that really got me hooked. And I went through the menopause at 45. Uh, so I'm 53 now. So it's, it, I did spend quite a lot of time doing research and things around that to really understand what the right uh, course of action was for me. So it, that's kind of slightly potted uh, version, I suppose, of where I've got, how I've got to where I am, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, I think your journey is really interesting because you really have an interest in it because you've seen such lots of different aspects of women's health. You've seen it in, you, you know, you were talking about work in the corporate world and I guess seeing how the stresses of everyday life and work affect women through all the different stages. So I'm sure you saw women's, women on all spectrums, yeah. you know, and seeing how the stresses affect them. Um, you know, what was your takeaway from that? Oh, wow. I mean, quite a lot, I think. Um, I, so I worked for John Lewis. I worked, you know, in the retail environment, 12 years in shops, 13 years in head office. So I think... <laughs> There's, there's quite a few different things and we, you know, this, this could go off a tangent to be honest, but I think there's, you know, what, first and foremost, uh, women tend not to put themselves first. Mm -hmm. They tend to put everybody around them first. And there's definitely something for me about actually take the time to think about yourself, because if you're not healthy, everyone around you probably, you know, is going to suffer in some way. Um, but I think also, um, there's a real, I mean, and this is so true, there's a lack of understanding in the corporate world, but there's also a lack of understanding from GPs, etc. certainly around menopause, just around what, you know, these, these hormonal changes um, are and what they do, uh, the impact they can have on you. I mean, certainly I've had, you know, I've been lucky in my life that I've only had two instances of issues with my health. And both of them happened at the key turning points hormonally for me. So two issues with a form of inflammation. Both of them are, uh, have the, the term ends in itis, which means it's inflammation in some form. Both of them, one at uh, just around the time I started my periods and one when I, just before I went through the menopause. And there's, you know, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that there's a link between the two. And actually there isn't, you know, you can see in the literature that there's quite a lot of, of links. Um, and oestrogen is, you know, oestrogen's the hormone that's talked about the most. Oestrogen, uh, you, you have receptors for oestrogen all over your body. So, you know, the fact that you get this huge gamut of symptoms through PMS uh, and through menopause in particular, you know, pregnancy is probably more about progesterone but um, and other hormones. But, you know, it, it impacts everything from, you know, how your brain works to how you feel physically, you know, all of it. Um, and so anything you can do, and there's a theme through, you know, what we're going to talk about as from a, a female point of view, everything you can do to help yourself from the earliest age possible will hold you in really good stead right the way through all those hormonal changes. So I think there's something, you know, the thing that I discovered as um, going through the menopause was um, lack of information and uh, women not wanting to talk about things and I, th I think it's probably better around pregnancy but I you know that's an area I can't comment on from personal experience because I think there's a better understanding from the healthcare systems perspective but I think you know certainly PMS and menopause it's not quite as good but I think people are a bit frightened of female hormones <laughs> and I think they get you know there's 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 a lot of humor attached to it which is great in some ways but I'm not sure is always great 
yeah, I, I, know, I know what you mean. I think it is such a shame that uh, the women that came before us are not talking about things enough. And even um, some of our peers might not be admitting to certain things, but it is getting better, like you said, but it's just, it's very slowly getting better. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully we have social media now and a lot of people are talking about it a lot more. But again, it's, yeah. you have to find those people and you and me, we have an interest in this. So that's why we, yeah. you know, we seek out these people yeah. who, who give out this information but it's sort of getting it to the general public isn't it yeah you're so right and i think you know we've, we've we've had some great stuff go on with celebrities you know which which at all ends of the spectrum which i think has massively helped you know stuff around period poverty and you know all of those things and you know i'll go back to menopause i will stop talking about menopause in a minute um pat um Meg Matthews, Patsy Kensett, Kirsty Walk, you know, there's lots of women now of sort of my age and a, and a bit older who are kind of going, actually, we are going to talk about this and we are going to really start to put some facts out there. Not all of the mystery that goes around it, but facts. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, with a science background, fact is the most important thing for me that, you know, I want someone to prove to me that what they're saying is right. Um, and then I will use that information to make decisions so and, and that's what i sort of want to do that's kind of the underpinning piece for me as a you know in practice as a nutritionist and ultimately as a nutritional therapist is you know what can i learn how to to be able to then help you as an individual yeah amazing so i think if we try and bring it back to sort of preconception and all the way through pregnancy in terms of your nutrition yeah. um so how how important then would you say that nutrition is uh, for a woman when she's in that preconception stage so you know thinking about yeah. getting pregnant and trying to get pregnant it's it's actually it's vital i mean you know it's, it's a tough word to use but it's really really important and it's also important for dad as well so you know there's some really interesting stats going um around at the moment around um the quality of sperm and uh infertility so there's the, you know, that the nutritional element is not just about mum. Um, so it's worth bearing that in mind. But um, I, you know, I, just thinking about me saying that, the, you know, there's a theme through this, I, I'm going to use the phrase um, healthy, balanced diet a lot. Um, and I think, you know, through every stage, before you even think about having a child, you know, before you think about trying to get pregnant, healthy, balanced diet is really important. There's, there's, definitive links between infertility and obesity in both men and women as well so you know weight management is also important so yeah you, you know you've got your healthy balanced diet which would give you your you know your, your healthy energy intake so your you know your number of calories your uh, and you know it is very difficult the generic guidelines say you know for a i love this term, healthy woman between the ages of 19 and 64 your calorie intake should be 2000 well what does healthy mean? <laughs> what, uh, what about activity? Yeah. What about, you know, and that's you such know, a it, broad range of age. It, oh, hugely broad. <laughs> and it's crazy. I mean, they, they lift pregnancy out. So you get more guidelines when you are pregnant and um, well, a, a bit more guidance. So, you know, there's something about understanding you yourself. Um, you can, you know, activity trackers can help you if you exercise regularly. So things like my, my fitness pal can help you work through what, you know, what a healthy weight would be for you but you know you you've got to look at your height your weight your age your health status all of those things play into what a, a, the right calorie intake for you is so spending some time understanding you and how you function and what that might be for you to keep your weight stable is quite important and you can work with you know yourselves fitness professionals you can work with nutritionists to help you work that out um, and then it's you know macronutrients so your uh, your carbohydrate your protein your fats um, what's the right breakdown for you as an individual? You know, government guidelines are again quite generic. Um, so I think the government guidelines says 50, your diet should be 50 to 55% carbohydrates, 10 to 15% protein, and 30 to 35% fat. Hopefully that adds up to 100. Um, <laughs> there's a little allowance in there for alcohol if you if you drink, but you know that comes out of one of the others. But you know. For me as a person, you know, even at my age, I exercise quite regularly, I weight train, so I eat more protein and less carbohydrates. So I aim for about 40, 30, 30 in my, in my um, split of macronutrients. So there's, you know, things to talk about, again, with fitness professionals or with nutritionists, or just have a bit of understanding about um, what that might be for you. Um, you know that that sounds like a big thing to ask but i think it's just understanding first and foremost you know what is a carbohydrate what's a fat 
what's protein. Most people get protein, I think, but carbohydrate and fat can be quite difficult. Um, and then thinking about the quality in each of those. So, you know, if you're going to eat carbohydrates, aim for whole grains, aim for things that don't spike your, um, your blood sugar. So white, and we'll talk a lot about blood sugar because spiking blood sugar has an impact on your hormones, your body's ability to remove your hormones. So, you know, white bread, white pasta, um, that kind of thing, you know, free sugars. So things like cakes, chocolates, sweets, all those things that we kind of crave, um, particularly at moments of hormone imbalance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just trying to think a bit more about getting the balance in your carbohydrate intake more towards the whole grains than the sugars um, will massively help you. Um, and it's, you know, first and foremost balancing blood sugar um, it also helps as I said the way in which um, your body works is it's, it basically it has a whole system in place to protect itself so if you have taken too much sugar your body produces insulin to dampen that sugar spike down if you have a lot of insulin around because you're eating quite a lot of sugar that insulin actually blocks the binding protein that carries your hormones out of your body so it allows your body to get rid of your hormones effectively, takes them to where they would then get detoxified and eliminated. So you can sort of see that if, you, if you've got a high sugar diet, you're, you're going to struggle to kind of get rid of your hormones effectively. So that could automatically be giving you a problem around fertility and also, you know, in, in other areas. It's something that's flagged in polycystic ovary syndrome and in endometriosis as well. And then, you know, lean, lean protein, so lean meat as protein and um, fish. I'll talk about a bit more in a bit. Um, and obviously, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you've got sources like eggs. Um, you've got a wide variety of different um, amino acids in, in vegetables and, and uh, whole grains that can help you get the right uh, diversity of amino acids because um, you, you won't if you're vegan you're not taking in what's called a complete protein unless you're eating I mean, quinoa I think is the only thing potentially soya that are complete proteins um, and then fats and fats is quite complicated I think a lot of people get quite confused around fats um, but just trying to uh, think about fats more energy dense than carbohydrate and protein so the danger with fat is that you can you know you can increase your calorie intake quite easily with fats um, but you want to be aiming for what they call healthy fats or unsaturated fats um, which are things like you know your olive oils your avocados your nuts and seeds those sorts of things as opposed to saturated fat which is the thing that sort of I mean if you think about it as it makes uh, the fat solid so things like uh, butter for example um, and I'm not uh, putting butter down because I eat butter that's my I don't eat margarine but you need to just be sensible with the amounts and volumes of things. Um, and the interesting thing about fat too, is that it's, uh, holds toxins. So, you know, if you can, and I know this is a challenge around affordability, but if you can, if you can think organic when it comes to things like milk and, and butter, that's fantastic because you're less likely to hold on to toxins in that particular product. Um, and then, you know, the biggest thing for me, micronutrients, so vitamins and minerals, um, and if, if you are eating a healthy, balanced diet, i.e. Diet, you're getting your right balance of your macronutrients and you're eating fruit and vegetables um, and you're aiming for at least five portions of fruit and veg a day, as a nutritional therapist, I'd be sitting here saying to you, eight, ten, six wow. to seven of which would be veg. That's the ultimate goal. Um, but really making sure that you're, you're getting over four, five if you can. Um, that's where all your mac micronutrients come from. So, you know, this wide variety, this eat the rainbow approach uh, to fruit and veg is really important. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, I think those are some really, really good points. And I think that's kind of also answering my next question, which is, you know, once you are pregnant, um, you know, I think that's when a lot of people, if they haven't thought of it beforehand, that's yeah. sort of, all of a sudden, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, now I've got to, you know, yeah. I've got to look after myself and the baby. I, I guess probably more the baby because now you're not you're not just thinking about yourself. So things that yeah. you might have been able to get away with before, you now start to rethink. So, you know, if all the stuff that you said before I've never done before, and now yeah. I'm pregnant, uh, 
and now I'm looking at, oh gosh, like I've, I've got to raise, you know, I've got to grow a baby. Yeah. What are some simple things that I can start implementing yeah. that are not going to be too overwhelming? Yeah. And I'm really conscious that everything I've just said sounds is very simplistic and easy to say. And, um, you know, most women probably don't know that they're pregnant until they're four or more weeks into the pregnancy. So I completely get that. And, you know, what you can't do is beat yourself up over that situation. So you can, you know, anything you can do to get that sort of approach, you know, into your, your, your habits, your time, you know, you know, your um, nutritional focus, then, you know, at any point you do it is a good time to do it. You know, you are um, for the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, you know, your fetus embeds directly into the uterine lining. So you're that, that fetus, that ball of cells to start off with that becomes a fetus is getting its nutrition directly via your blood supply. So, you know, anything that you can do at that point is, is important. Um, and then obviously you've got a placenta involved after that, which then helps to filter certain things. So that does make, you know, does make a difference. Yeah. So I, I think obviously if you are planning a pregnancy, sorry, just a couple of things I, I didn't talk about, but you know, folic acid is obviously really important, you know, 400 micrograms of folic acid, really important for, you know, you know, uh, neural development of the, of the baby. Um, Thinking about vitamin D is also important. Uh, uh, we are, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, we are um, notoriously deficient in vitamin D. Um, you, the simplest and easiest thing to do with vitamin D is uh, to get outside and expose a bit of skin, which uh, can be hands and arms. Doesn't have to be face. I know. I mean, I wear SPF 50 on my face, so I wouldn't put my face in the sun, in, you know, in, in daylight like that. And it doesn't have to be sun, but you know. That is a challenge around women who, um, you know, for religious reasons, cover up. Uh, for those of us that are dark skinned, I'm half Indian, so that can also cause problems. Um, so just thinking a bit about vitamin D status, you can, the GP will test uh, vitamin D for you, hopefully, um, which means you get it for free. But also there's a fantastic uh, service offered by NHS Birmingham. You can just Google NHS Birmingham vitamin D and they do a home test for £29. So that will give you a view as to what your vitamin status, vitamin D status is. So that's oh, quite useful to have. Yeah. Um, and, and for some women, iron. So you might be talking to your GP about your iron status. Um, but I would recommend that you talk to somebody. I don't recommend that you just start taking things because you, 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 they inter can interact with other things. So it's important to kind of have a conversation. Um, and one of the things we didn't talk about, and this is relevant all the way through, is... Uh, what they call life load or stress. So we'll talk a bit about that probably later. Um, so from a, um, from a pregnancy point of view, the same things apply essentially. It's, you know, if you discover you're pregnant, it's then really thinking about, um, okay, what, what is a healthy balanced diet for me? What, you know, what does that mean? How do I sort of plan that into my life? And I, I think planning is quite important here. You know, it, it's, you can get very caught up, I think, in, in what's considered healthy as well. Uh, for me, you know, exclusion of food groups is not always a good thing. Fatty diets are definitely not a good thing. And you, as uh, at pregnancy, you shouldn't be uh, trying to lose weight at this point. So just kind of th those sort of things to think about. Maintaining a healthy weight, not eating for two. That is a myth. <laughs> Piling on the pounds can kind of put you and your baby at risk. So, you know, don't actively think, oh, that's great, I'm just gonna eat. But I also understand, and we'll talk about this, I think later is um, hormones can play havoc. So, you know, that can be hard. So go back to all those principles I talked about around, you know, carbohydrate, whole grains, lean protein, healthy fats, eat the rainbow, fresh fruit and veg, fruit and veg in particular. Um, and you don't, you know, you don't have to buy fresh. You can buy frozen. It's, it's frozen at the moment it's picked. It's just as good. Um, but, you know, trying to think about veg in particular to bulk your meals out, because that can also help you if you're trying to lose a bit of weight, um, you know, pre-pregnancy. Um, but it's easy to put three vegetables on a plate, actually. It's not that challenging. Um, so it's just, it's just those sorts of things. We don't um, recommend supplementation really um, when you're pregnant. So unless you've been, you know, it's been suggested, you know, obviously folic acid, but unless you've, the, the GP suggested that you take something in particular because you're deficient, then we wouldn't necessarily recommend uh, lots and lots of supplements. Obviously there are some good pregnancy multivitamins out there like Pregnacare. So, you know, if you 
um, have had a conversation with a healthcare professional and they, you know, are worried about your nutrient status, then that might be the way to go. A couple of things, just thinking a little bit about dietary pattern. It's tough, you know, your first trimester, you might have morning sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the government say, oh, make sure you eat breakfast. That can be quite hard if you're, <laughs> if you're struggling with morning sickness. Um, but, you know, more a few tricks with morning sickness might be just trying to eat smaller more frequent meals or try to avoid things that have got particularly strong odors and things that might set off the nausea. Um, and actually ginger, there's lots of studies, scientific studies about ginger and its support in um, reducing nausea. So that can be helpful. And if um, from a breakfast point of view, if you're struggling with solid foods, you can kind of think about shakes, you know, protein shakes and things like that. If you're able to take whey, whey protein, then that's, you know, as a, an isolate, complete protein that, that's a great way to do it but also if you're vegan hemp protein pea protein are also good and you can kind of do that it might, it might just be easier on your system to take a bit of something in liquid form um and then i think you know again it's you know you're back to that kind of thing about you know planning and preparation so it's having a think about what your week's uh, diet might look like um planning in advance, batch cooking, things like that, which also could be useful post-pregnancy that you've got some stuff in the freezer so you haven't got to think too hard about health, what healthy food might be. Third trimester, uh, it's recommended that you do take on a few extra calories, so about 200 extra calories. Um, and then also with hydration that you, you know, are you aiming for your sort of two litres if you can in um, hydration? Uh but as you sort of get to the later stages and you, you, you know, you're, you are heavier because, of, you know, because of the baby, et cetera, that you take on a little bit of extra fluid at that point. And I guess also, you know, thinking a little bit about if you're exercising, you'll hopefully be hydrating. If you're exercising through the pregnancy, which is really good for you, really good for the baby, then you do need to think about that as well. Um, and I mean, most people will know about alcohol and uh, caffeine as well. Just kind of keep your caffeine um, intake as low as possible preferably you know well definitely below 200 milligrams which is i think two cups of instant coffee um but yeah those are the sort of key things uh i think but it it, you know it it really needs to be kind of built around this um this i'm going to use it again healthy balanced diet the thing that i've completely forgotten about in there is fiber Mm -hmm. um under that kind of carbohydrate heading uh, and fruit and vegetable heading fiber really really important you, the guideline is 30 grams a day um which actually isn't that hard to do it sounds like it could be tough but it isn't um if you're eating whole grains and fruit and veg you're probably doing it without much hassle really but particularly in pregnancy i mean it's really important for uh, eliminating hormones and getting you know that balance right obviously it's really help health important for bowel health but 40 percent of women at some stage in pregnancy will suffer from constipation and obviously having a more fiber in your diet will massively help you to, to overcome that. So just some simple things to sort of try and help some of the symptoms. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really, really detailed. Good advice. I think. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good. I think, um, I think it's something that you and I have said before, we can't assume that people know the stuff um, yeah. because some people just don't. So it is really, really helpful. Um, a good place for people to start. I think your yeah. tip of eat the rainbow it can't, yeah. it can't be misinterpreted, you know, it, no. it, it's literally what it says on the tin. Eat as much variety as you can with your fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And you've already said emphasis on the vegetables. Um, so then what about, you know, we talked about cravings a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, cravings, I don't know what you've heard. You know, I've had some, <laughs> I've had some crazy cravings, you know, people yeah, talk yeah. about chalks and tyres yeah. and you know, um, I personally didn't really suffer from cravings like that. I craved food um, that somebody could bake for me and give me. But, um, yeah, you know, what what is the thing behind cravings? Is Does it show that there's potentially a, a, um, a deficiency in the mum? Mm. It's, it's, lots of, it's lots of interesting stuff written about cravings. Um, but actually, the research doesn't back up that it's a nutrient deficiency, um, apart from in one particular situation, which you've kind of touched on. Um, there's also food aversion so you can get cravings but you can also mm-hmm. like my mum when she was pregnant with me suddenly hated coffee in fact I think that's how she knew she was pregnant um, so you really I think you, if this was about nutrient deficiency you'd be craving nutrient dense food like broccoli and stuff which some people might but the majority of cravings tend to be kind of that high fat high sugar high carbohydrate high salt maybe potentially 
and some odd combos. Um, the, the, the theory behind it and the, the suggestions behind it, some scientific evidence, but still a lot of work going on, is that uh, the, both the, the cravings and the aversions potentially might be due to kind of change in smell and taste sensitivity during pregnancy. So that's kind of where the thought process is. Um, for me, again, if you're if you're going if you're eating a healthy, balanced diet, then generally, you, you know, that should help um, with with both because you should be getting you know all of those nutrients anyway. Um, the thing you have to be careful of is something called pica, which is what you described uh, with chalk and ties. It's when pregnant women crave non-nutritive substances like soil or paper and ice. In some people, there's some very strange ones. That actually has been linked to some mineral deficiencies. And actually, they've found that they've um, that's resolved when they've that deficiency has been tackled. So I think if you're finding that if that's happening to you, go and see somebody, talk to your GP, talk to a nutritionist, talk to you know somebody who will be able to help you work through that because it may be that you are struggling with some sort of mineral deficiency. Okay, interesting. Right, and then that mineral deficiency will be solved through food not through ice chalk or, or yeah exactly or through food diet. or you know i guess supplementation if there's a feeling yeah. that you know there's a, there's a challenge there um yeah. but yeah through food preferably yes <laughs> <laughs> um something that i just thought of um kind of based on the things that you've been saying before uh as much as possible of course eat a healthy balanced diet when you're pregnant yeah. Um, but what if, you know, we talk about morning sickness a bit, what if you have, you know, the severe case of sickness, you know, throughout your pregnancy and really you're not able to hold anything down. Would your body have, if you've been really, you know, mindful of how you're eating prior to pregnancy, would your body have stored up enough to sort of see you through most of the pregnancy? You know, again, that might be quite a general broad question. Yeah, it, it, it's quite difficult. You need, you need to look at people as individuals, I think. Mm-hmm. But if you if you suffer from the hyperemesis gravidarum, which is the really, really severe, you know, Kate Middleton had it. Yeah. And I actually had a really close friend who really struggled with it. She was hospitalised for something like three months of her pregnancy wow. because of it. It can be, it's really severe nausea and vomiting. Obviously, you're likely to be, or you should be, under the treatment of a GP or hospitalised because, yeah. you know, you're not getting the macronutrients, the micronutrients, the energy or the hydration that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you are really struggling with severe morning sickness, you should be talking to a GP um, because you probably do need some support. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely that your body's going to have enough of the macro micros in it to, you know, to take you through nine months of it. I mean, hopefully you morning sickness is only for the first trimester um but it obviously it can go further than that but i think that for me the first thing to do is talk to your gp um and really kind of understand what the next steps are you, it might be that you have hg you, you know it might be as severe as that and you do need to make sure that you're getting that nutrition in the right way yeah um so yeah that's that's kind of the way to i think think about that but if if it's if it's moderate mild to moderate then hopefully it'll resolve um I know it's a difficult thing, but, you know, it may be that you need to think about timings of, of eating. We talked a bit about, you know, small and frequent, small portions and frequently that might be the way to do it. Or that you do have to kind of think a little bit about when, you know, if it subsides during the day, when the right time to take on your calories are to, to help minimize that. I, I firmly believe that everyone's an individual and you sort of most women know and understand their bodies and, and you kind of just need to work through it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know that makes sense. So then coming into, you know, you've done your nine months of pregnancy, you've given birth to the baby, coming into that, you know, postnatal phase, I know from my own experience that I, you know, with the best intentions, wanted to eat as healthily as possible, you know, a balanced diet. And then actually the reality of having a newborn hit me that, you know, they don't want to be let go. You know, know, I was holding them for a lot of the day. Um, But I do understand that obviously eating as healthy as possible after giving birth can be really important. So could you just talk a little bit about how important it is to heal your body by eating a nutritionally balanced diet? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's a massive challenge at that point. You know, you've, you've kind of, you've been through this incredibly sick, the impact on you physically is really significant. Only, you know, firsthand. And for some people also, you know, lengthy labor can also be a challenge. So, you know, even finding the right things to eat through labor can be quite challenging. Um, And, you know, your focus is naturally on the baby. So you want to make sure the baby's feeding correctly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you've obviously got two things to think about here. You've got, if you're breastfeeding, you're thinking about, you know, 
lactation and how your body produces enough milk and you know working to make sure that you're taking on the right nutrition to do that and you're thinking about how you heal yourself um so you've got two different things going on and i go back to that healthy balanced diet you know as i said at the beginning if you've kind of if you've thought about this from the word go you know whether that's pre-pregnancy or from pregnancy if you can get yourself into a really good nutritional status that will help you certainly in the first couple of weeks um to kind of get a bit more grounded and think a bit about what you want to do and how you're going to try to build that um back up to that as you move forward you know you can't underestimate how how challenging that is though um you know it's it's all the things we talked a bit about uh if you can do some planning and some preparation and have some stuff in the freezer and you know if if for example you you know when you're at weaning stage and you're feeding the baby solid food if you're making your own baby food double the quantity of veg chop some up stick it in the freezer for you have it or have it in the in the fridge try and think about um i know it's not easy because i know you're sleep deprived your hormones are all over the place it's not a simple thing but if, if there are things you can do prior to, to birth to help you that's a really good place to be make soups make you know anything that that, that could be helpful that's in the freezer have a little think about um dietary patterns as well because that's the other challenge is if you're feeding every couple of hours you know feeding the baby every couple of hours when are you going to eat how is that going to impact you know when do you sleep when do you eat how do you work that through you know a day and you know it's easy for me to sit here and say or plan and prepare and you know the reality of it is something different you you may not have even got had a chance to get dressed or have a shower or anything but actually probably your nutrition is almost more important than that um, you can use, I, you know, I, I would definitely advocate using things like shakes if you are making them yourself. So I, I get you can't make protein powder, but, you know, put spinach in, put blueberries in, put a banana in, put something in. Try to make sure you put something green in it from the point of view of veg. So spinach, kale, uh, collard greens, uh-huh. chard, something like that. So that you've got, you know, a green leafy veg in there. But you can use that sort of thing to help. You can add little bits into that. You can put honey in it, you know, put nut butters in. Those sorts of things can really help if you just don't have time. And you can pre-prep those. You can have them stored in your Nutribullet or equivalent in the fridge before you pre-mix them. So, you know, if you get five minutes to kind of do something quickly, do that, shove it in the fridge so it's ready to go the following morning or to have in the evening or something like that. But, it, you know, you, you are... Um, somebody I, I was just going to show you something or just go through something somebody showed me something the other day in a talk and it was basically the recipe for making a baby i'm going to read it makes one baby one healthy egg millions of healthy well-shaped mobile sperm vitamins b12 ed folate minerals for implantation and then vitamins a e folate and some other minerals to, to for organ um formation in the baby then you've got a whole load of other vitamins and minerals for neurological development 20 to 30 grams of extra calcium for skeletal development one kilo of extra protein and two kilo for maternal changes wow. and eighty thousand kilocalories of additional energy which you know that doesn't mean you can eat eighty thousand additional calories that's not what it means but it just shows you what's got into making the baby and then obviously you've got to continue to feed that baby mm. and you you if you're breastfeeding you need about 500 extra calories of energy in intake and preferably so preferably with a big underline underneath it from something that's also you know from something you're eating that's giving you extra things back so you could eat a big slice of cake that would be 500 calories but it's that they're empty calories and they're not giving you anything so really thinking about um the quality of what you're eating um and back to that healthy balanced diet, trying to get back to that if you can. It's not an easy thing, but, um, you know, I, I think if you can do some prep work before the birth, that will massively help. And ask, for, and ask for help. You know, I think that, you know, if other people can help prep food and your partner can support and, you know, all of those things. Um, there are a, a few a few things that, um, you know, quite common interventions for new mums sort of from a supplement point of view um you know some people continue to take their prenatal vitamins after birth which can be actually useful iron supplementation might be prescribed to you um vegan mums quite often need b12 vitamin b12 so that's worth talking to your gp about and then there's a few things around you know if you are breastfeeding you might want to avoid uh things that obviously might end up you might end up with a colicky baby so uh things like um, onions cow's milk cabbage broccoli and actually chocolate um 
but yeah, you, you kind of got to get a balance right. And, and again, you know, for me, not excluding food groups at this point is quite important. You need to make sure that you're getting things like calcium and vitamin D and those sort of things, you know, protein uh, for you and for the baby. All of those things that we talked about right back at the beginning are all just as important for, for you and the baby. Do you know what? I actually like the fact that you said um, you don't get a chance to do a lot of things like wash or put on some fresh clothes and then feed yourself but actually feeding yourself is more important than those other things, especially if you're not going anywhere, because yeah. actually if you're not well-fed and you are breastfeeding, then your milk supply is affected, number one. And number two, if you're not well-fed, then your energy levels, which are probably already low due to lack of sleep, will be even more affected. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's completely. quite a, a, good, a good tip that actually, if you're going to prioritize anything, yeah. prioritize eating. Um, yeah or making a shake. And I think what I found quite helpful in those early days is like you said, ask for help. So if anyone's coming to visit you, what can I bring? Food. I yeah. think I have something that I can freeze. Um, right, shakes, I, I, I did quite a lot, you know, or smoothies. I did a lot of those because again, like you said, if you can pre-prep those, then um, that's not gonna take a lot of time just to put it in a Nutribullet or any other blender yeah. you have. And you can sip on that throughout the day. Um, I had a client actually who used to freeze her smoothies readily made. Oh, clever. Yeah, so not just freeze the ingredients, but actually make the smoothie, say, the night before, mm. um, and then freeze it for like a few days and then just take it out. And she used to put so many veggies in there. Yeah, that, brilliant. That then she can sip that throughout the day and not have to think about actually eating because she was so busy with doing, you know, doing work that just sipping on that throughout the day was giving her all the nutrients and nice. she, was, she was full. Yeah. So, that might be a good way. That's a great them. idea. It's a re I've not heard that one before. That's a really good idea. Yeah. But I think, you know, any, anything you can do, soups, you can freeze soups as well. You know, they're really easy and they're simple to eat as well. You know, you haven't got to think too much about chewing and digesting, which can also take up time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, things, things that you, simple things, it's that nutrient dense food. You know, that's sort of what you're looking for. So when we're talking about almond butter or peanut butter or, you know, nut butters in some form, um, actually they're very good from a fat point of view but you've also got avocados in there yeah. you, you know you know all of those you know vegetables yeah. in particular anything highly colored um but also whole grains if you can too and again you know just the thing about bowel health and hormone health so uh fiber we talked about fiber being important for elimination uh, of hormones but also um protein is important your liver needs amino acids which are the break which are what protein's made of they're made of little breakdown amino acids um it needs specific amino acids to be able to detoxify lots of things but obviously mm -hmm. hormones are a big part of that particularly when you're you know at the point of, of um post-birth uh so yeah thinking about things like that you know caffeine again you know caffeine gets brought up a lot caffeine and alcohol um but obviously, if you're breastfeeding, you need to be really careful with with caffeine and alcohol. Um, mm. Caffeine has been detected in breast milk within 15 minutes of being it being taken in, and it peaks <sighs> about an hour after. Yeah, peaks about an hour after you take it. Um, so if you are going to drink coffee, think a little bit about when you're drinking it versus when you're feeding, because or expressing, because you know you, you and you could end up with a quite a hyperactive baby. <laughs> it will impact the baby. You know, you know what it feels like. If, if, certainly, if you haven't had coffee for a while, or like me, you don't take in a lot of caffeine, you then have a bit of caffeine. It makes you really hyper. Um, so yeah, just just it's. I think it's just a bit of knowledge, really, and just just trying to think. But it's very easy, and I really am aware of this. Very easy for me to sit here and say this. You know, when I'm not in the situation where I've just had a baby, it's really really difficult, and it's you know it's really easy to. Uh, pick something quick and I think it's about having you know that that idea of smoothies in the freezer is brilliant having trying not to have the quick fixes in the house that are unhealthy trying to make sure you've got healthy quick fixes hummus and carrot sticks and you know those sorts of things um could be massively helpful nut butters and, and apples and you know nut butters in dates and I've you know all sorts of things like that potentially that, that could be useful so it, it does involve a bit of planning. But I also think, you know, you talked about it. You just said it then. Um, talk to other mums. Mm. You know, you're going to come in contact with other mums. Share knowledge, share best practice, mm. to use a lovely corporate term. Um, you know, what's working for other people? So, you know, don't feel that you've suddenly got to come up with all the solutions yourself. There's, there's loads of people around you who will have come up with ideas like that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, that or even really um, helpful. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there are also great um, like meal delivery services that cater specific. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like that could be something that you could ask for for a gift if people ask you what can I what can I get Fantastic you? idea. Fantastic it? idea. Yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. And I, you know, I anything think... like that, the mindful chef or you know, any of those, they're, they're wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you you know, and if you can get it as a gift, so you're not having to think about the financial challenge of that. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I think, again, and actually uh, just think about now, sorry, just think about now, you know, where getting out, you know, food shopping's getting slightly easier, I think, now, and some people are getting deliveries, but that can be quite challenging. So if you can get it as a gift like that, that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, I think more people are starting to think about the mum now, not just the baby, yeah, because I think good. we've already said that uh, as women, we always put everyone first and then you're becoming a mum. I mean, you are right at the back of the queue when it comes yeah. to looking after someone. Um, so if your friends you know, or family, when they're asking you, what can I get you? you know, what can I get for the baby? you know, think, oh, what can I actually get me that would help me through this period? So, yeah. you know, what can I do that will make me well-fed um, or give me energy levels? So, like, some of the ingredients that you mentioned already, they can all be thrown in a smoothie or they, yeah. they can be made into a muffin or into cookies. So, yeah. you, can ask, you can ask somebody, can you make, can you have a look for recipes and make me, like, lactation cookies or something like that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah things that would help help actually really help you out um in especially in those first few weeks where it is just all a bit of a blur yeah and and things like muffins and cookies you know you can make relatively healthily if you're using whole wheat flour and things like that you know to, and that gives you some fiber it gives you some the whole grain and then it can give you some of the fruit and veg and also it can satisfy that sweet crave because you are going to have you know hormones throw you all over the place when it comes to craving things like you know high carb high fat high salt and, you know, all those things hit um, receptors in your brain, which are the same receptors that cocaine hits, <laughs> which, you know, there's lots of work around that. It's really, really difficult. You know, that is not an easy thing. I, I completely get that. But if you can find ways like that, flapjacks are quite good as well, actually, from the point of view. If you've got a sweet tooth, um, flapjacks with, are made with oats because you're getting you're getting fiber getting soluble fiber in there you you know slow release carbohydrate not too much honey and stuff in there but you know using something natural preferably ones you've made if you or someone can make for you um because some of the the cheaper stuff you can buy has what they call trans fats in it which are really a big no-no so try to avoid those um but you know there's there's lots of really good ideas and and uh and lots of i mean there's so many good uh, recipe books and, and um, doctors, who, GPs now who are becoming chefs, you know, the Doctor's Kitchen, um, mm -hmm. uh, Hazel Wallace, people yeah. like that, you know, on Instagram and websites, you know, there's lots of really good ideas. And, you know, I've made some of Hazel Wallace's cookies, they take 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, I follow her as well. And it's it, so simple, you know, a few ingredients, yeah. healthy ingredients, and they look so good. And they're, yeah, yeah. like it's really yeah. um, You touched on a yeah. few things, um, hormones. And yeah. then actually I wanted to come back to caffeine as well. So if we maybe yeah. link those together because yeah. hormones, lack of sleep, oh, and then boy. wanting to grab for caffeine. Yeah. If we can talk a bit about what, what hormones do, I guess, to your appetite yeah. um, and then also how, maybe what an alternative could be to wanting to reach for caffeine because, mm. uh, you know, and I think that would probably apply for any mum for the rest of their life. Because, you know, yeah. when you're tired, you sort of think coffee's going to fix that. And I personally, I know that coffee doesn't fix the tiredness. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't give me that energy that I'm looking for. So what is a good alternative for that that can help when, you know, sleep is not really an option? Yes, you might catch a nap here and there, but that's something that we can't, I guess, fix while we have a newborn. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a really tough one. Because, um, you, you know, you, you're kind of talking stimulants and stimulants are something you kind of want to avoid if you can. <laughs> Yeah. but I get the fact that's that's difficult I mean um the disruption in hormones and the lack of sleep both impact food choices you know and what, and what you what that sort of you know those both both of them affect your body and and uh kind of cravings for food I suppose is, is one way of putting it the, the challenge with hormones are you've kind of got this hormones is a is a really uh, it's an interesting term because most people when you say hormones think sex hormones testosterone estrogen whatever but you've also got hunger hormones you've got uh, cortisol and melatonin which are the things that wake you up and put you to sleep and you know all of those they're all intertwined so mm -hmm. if one is out of sync it can impact the others and there's definitely a lot of work being done um around all of that 
So, you know, as women, we understand that hormonal dysfunction, hormonal uh, change and challenge, you know, PMS, pregnancy, and it happens at menopause, ladies, as well, I'll tell you, it throws out, you know, what you crave, what you want to eat. So, again, we're back to planning and preparation and all the things I've talked about before. But um, sleep as well has been really heavily studied from the point of view of, of how much, you know, what lack of sleep can do to how much you eat and what you choose to eat. There's mm-hmm. loads and loads of studies been done. Um, and you have got, you've got that awful situation where you kind of, you know, your cortisol levels are all over the place and cortisol is, you know, the stress hormone. So what should happen and, you know, in a lovely normal uh, day and night cycle is that the cortisol wakes you up it peaks and it drops off and then the, as, as you're going feeling tired your melatonin comes up and then woohoo you know you get to sleep I mean that's an issue for so many people it's you know not just pregnant mums but uh, uh, mums with with babies but it's it, so many people struggle with that and stress on top of that which obviously is a, a new mum you're going to be feeling will throw that out even further so you know it's, <laughs> it's trying to find ways <laughs> to uh, minimize stress if you can, you know, or moments before you're trying to sleep where you, you might do something like if you're able to choose something like Calm as an app to listen to five minutes to switch your brain off just to try to help you sleep. Um, but, you know, from a food point of view, the, the challenge is that the thing that helps you sleep is carbohydrate. So, you know, you're kind of going to, it's, it's a really difficult one. If you can try to work your, your food, if, I mean, this works better if you're eating three meals, to be honest, and you may not be doing that, but slightly more protein heavy in the morning, slightly more carbohydrate heavy in the evening or afternoon and evening could help a little bit. So protein will kind of, for want of a better way of describing, could help you wake up a little bit and carbohydrate could help you sleep. Um, so thinking about, you know, those sort of whole grain pastas and things like that in the evenings might just help you get more sleep. But it's not going to it's not going to help with the break in sleep that you're going to get through the night when you're you know feeding a baby. So it's, uh, you know, all the simple things about trying to nap when the baby's sleeping and all those things are really important. Um, trying to minimize, the sh- you know, the, the sugar again, we're going to talk about sugar. But, you know, your first thing will be to, to reach for something that you feel is going to give you more energy. And those high sugar things might spike that glucose, but then it drops it even further. So it's, it's going to make you feel worse rather than better. And caffeine can do that, too. Um, so, I, you know, for me, it would be absolutely try to avoid caffeine if you can as a stimulant. It, it doesn't help. But I, I get the fact that's really easy to say. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think there are miracle solutions to that one. I think it's, it's, you know, there are things, you know, some people say green tea can help, but that, you know, there are still um, challenges around herbals, herbal tea included, and breastfeeding, and still work being done on whether they are or aren't safe. Um, there are a few things, but you know, ideally, you kind of want to try to avoid stimulants if you can. Uh, what I was going to say was exercise is one of the things that can can give you a bit of an energy boost but you may not be feeling like you want to be doing it at that particular point in time yeah first six weeks probably not very much so but I do agree with that that actually um so when when my daughter was let's say in the first um after about six twelve weeks and I started exercising again um one of her naps instead of me resting and when I when I felt really tired and I knew that I actually wanted to exercise at some point during the day I exercised and actually that did give me a bit of a boost Mm. Uh, or going out for fresh air yeah fresh air for definite I mean that's that would absolutely you know help to kind of wake you up a little bit yeah one of the things that your the way in which your body produces the units of energy um is quite complicated but there's lots of different micronutrients involved in that cycle so you know going back to fruit and veg again um, and whole grains again you know b vitamins magnesium uh iron things like that are copper quite important in that cycle so making sure that you are getting that intake of, of, of veg and whole grains in particular is quite important to kind of help, you know, almost take as much energy out of the food you're eating as possible. If that makes sense. Yeah. So if I'm right in what you're saying, um, you, you obviously, you are going to suffer with lack of sleep because you have a newborn yeah. and yeah. your hormones being out of whack um, because of it will, might cause you or pro- is very likely to cause you to want to reach for sugar. But if yeah. you can, 
um, eat a balanced diet as much as possible, then yeah. those cravings would they be kind of kept in check a little bit more? Yeah, they should. They should be. I mean, you know, then it's not nothing's perfect, but I think yeah. it's just try, it's trying not to have those things around if you can. I get the fact that that's not always easy. Um, or you don't, you know, if you have to every now and again, okay, but don't beat yourself up over it. But just try not to make that the norm. So. You know, if you if you have one particularly bad night and you think, oh, my God, I need a cup of coffee, then, you know, the, the limit, you know, the recommendation is still uh, 200 milligrams, no more than. So that is two cups of instant coffee. It's one and a half cups of filter coffee. And that's I think it's two and a half mugs of tea. So, you know, if, if that is where you have to go, then OK, and don't beat yourself up over it. Obviously, be careful around the breastfeeding thing and, you know, when you're taking that caffeine in. But ideally, what you want to do is try to find a way through it that is, you know, is based around that healthy, balanced diet as okay. much as possible. Yeah. There's, there's okay. no, I don't uh, think there's, I don't think there's miracle solutions, but I think it is, you know, trying to get yourself in the best place possible. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think um, there is no, you know, it's, it, it almost is what it is in those, let's say, six to eight weeks yeah. that you are just going to be really tired. But if you can prepare or ask people to help you out with um, providing you with some healthy food choices, then at least yeah. that's something you haven't got to think about. And so that when you yeah. have got a craving, absolutely. you know that there's something else that you can be eating. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, But I do think, you know, and through all of this, I've talked about a healthy balanced diet a lot, I know. But through all of this, there is that moment of you, you, you may get to a point where you just need something that is yeah. sweet or something that is. And don't, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. It's OK. Just try to minimize that um you know it, it's really difficult i mean i love i i find it really fascinating that the human psyche for everybody um builds the word treat and reward around things that really aren't good for us you know mm. if you actually put that if you took it out of a nutritional sense and you put it into i don't know um oh God, i can't think of an example but a different sense you know if you, you there are things that you kind of go oh my god it's not good for you i'm not going to do it but but we sort of it's really interesting one and it's and there's lots of work done in around food psychology in this because we kind of go you know if you, to kids if you eat all your vegetables you can have pudding well actually the most important bit in there is the veg <laughs> don't make them think that the reward is high sugar it's 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 really really challenging and and you know the whole food marketing industry is built around this so you know you're, we were watching something last night and talking about the fact that you know boris has got up there and said that he wants to fight fat or wage a war on fat post covid or whatever he's talking about um and then you sit through you've got an advert for hagen you've got an advert for cabbage chocolate fingers you've got an <laughs> and you're sort of thinking well this is, really doesn't help us um so I, I think try to think about your body as a as a racing as a race car you know as a high performance sports car you, you know for everything that you're doing through pregnancy, whether you're exercising, whatever you're doing, you want to feed it the best thing, give it the best fuel to help it perform in its best way possible. Um, and try and think about it like that, as opposed to, I, you know, I'm just going to eat the stuff that I'm craving. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's, at 3am when you've got a baby feeding, you may not be thinking that logically and I completely get that. So, it, you know, it's, it, it's trying to do the best you can uh, uh, most of the time, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think um, a lot of the stuff that you said that if you can um, start from the preconception stage and if you yeah. don't start that, if you can start from pregnancy, because what I'm yeah. finding through myself and clients is that it's all about habits and a mindset yeah. change. So if you can get into the habits, then it will be easier for the times when you don't feel like doing it because yeah. you know you're in that habit. So it's like um, create the habit by, you know, I get up, I have a glass of water and I have my vitamin and then I have my smoothie or whatever it might be. So you're creating yeah. almost like a series of things that you do on a daily basis before you get into the stressful situation. And then once you're in that stressful situation, you haven't got to think so much because it's almost ingrained in you. I think that's really good advice. I think, you know, if, if it is a habit, then you really, you'll do it on autopilot, which actually is sort of what you want. You know, it's that thing, isn't it? If you're reaching for a snack, you reach for something healthier. Um, you know, you're going for a piece of fruit to get your sugar hit instead of, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, I think you're right. If you, I think if you, can, if you can try and ingrain something, absolutely right. You know, you're less likely or you're more likely to do it if you're sleep deprived. 
absolutely so um just wrapping up i mean we we covered so many things kind of sum- no, i mean it's, no it's, it's, it's great so you know just if you could summarize say three tips that you could give yeah. new mums when it comes to looking after themselves through nutrition in yeah. you know those first few weeks what would, what would they be well i mean you're going to know what you know what i'm going to say uh <laughs> if as best you can focus on the healthy balanced diet you know hopefully you have managed to do some of that pre and during pregnancy and you know that that is the key thing and then it, you know if you need to increase um macronutrients or micronutrients if you're breastfeeding then you know you need to talk to your healthcare professional about how you do that there's there's actually quite a lot of guidance around that the british uh, nutrition foundation website is actually very good uh, for things like that so if you want to have a look people can go on there and it takes you through uh, um, conception and pregnancy as well it's a quite useful you know really nicely written stuff around what you can and can't do and what the government guidelines say um so that's probably you know my number one all the way through um number two is about dietary patterns and you know i think we are still i mean i hope we're, we're moving away from this but you know most people still think they need to eat three meals a day um and i think you know you have to try and you know start thinking about that now what works what actually works for you so don't force yourself to eat three meals if it's easier to eat five small meals then do that and if if your body is telling you that you would it would rather take on less food but more frequently, then that's the way to do it. So I think it's finding that dietary pattern and that might change. It might change through pregnancy because of things like morning sickness or whatever. It might change, um, you know, post-birth because you have to work things around feeding the baby. You know, try just try to make sure that you're getting that energy intake and those, you know, all those things we've talked about, but in a way that really works for you. You know, you're you're an individual. So um, have a little think about that. Um, but if you're eating five small meals a day, make sure you're getting your calorie intake because sometimes that can either mean you're too much because you're not actually adjusting your portion size, you're just having five big meals, <laughs> or you're not eating enough, and that's also important. Um, and then I think that the, the third thing probably is around in order to do both of those things, you do need to think about planning and preparation a bit and you know thinking about planning in advance meals you know a week's worth of it if you can do that or or you know if in lieu of that if somebody else can do it for you and help you around that and i love the idea if you if you can get um food delivery services as gifts that's a brilliant idea because that just takes all the stress and pressure away from it um and also stops you going to the supermarket which is where you could potentially end up buying things (laughs) that are healthy so you know there's there's taking the temptation away is quite a good way to do it yeah those are great tips thank you so much lisa and then very very final question is what does strong for everyday mean to you wow you know i had a little think about this because it's it's quite an interesting one but i think this community is really about um kind of education and empowerment um to support women to be the best that they can be um i think it's all about us as as experts in our field passing on the knowledge and the expertise you know, across all of our areas and kind of it's about arming women and giving them practical tools and advice uh, to help them, to help themselves and to make positive difference, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, for me as a nutritionist, that's, you know, about optimizing health and well-being through good sound nutrition and, and also about lifestyle practices, you know, because stress and, you know, we've talked about it, stress, sleep, etc. make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So I think the kind of the two meld really well together absolutely yeah, i think that's i think that's where i i would set this yeah great thank you so much that's a great response and um yeah where can um people find you if they wanted to look you up or connect with you yeah so i i don't have my own website as such i'm on the ana therapies website um and all my contact details are there uh, email and, and phone number so yeah that's probably the best way to get me great and then lisa's details will also be on our platform because she is as she mentioned one of the experts on our platform and lisa has really really great insights as you've already heard and she'll be sharing lots of really useful things that you can take away and also you know apply to your own life so thank you so much for today lisa it's been really really helpful no problem at all thank you thank you Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Lisa talking all things nutrition and also hopefully you learnt lots. But if you found that, you know, it was quite a lot of information to take in in one go, then don't worry. We have some nutrition guides that Lisa has put together for us. 
You can find those at strongforeverday.club. And if you sign up for our membership, then you not only get a seven-day trial, but you get access to even more information and webinars, live Q&As and guides that Lisa and our other experts have put together. So to sign up for your seven-day free trial, go to strongforeverday.club. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could leave us a review and rate it wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget, as my toddler would say, sharing is caring. So please share this episode with a friend because we really want to empower as many mums as possible. And really, the best way for that to happen is if you tell a friend who tells a friend who tells another friend. So please share, share a screenshot on your social media. And don't forget to tag us at Strong For Every Day and at Femi underscore Olatoye. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the Strong For Everyday podcast.